You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Everybody and welcome to this edition of the Essential Apple. And uh, Nick is here again to join me. Hello, Nick. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. And uh, for those who don't know, the entry music uh, this week is, of course, uh, the beginning of the Ukrainian national anthem, which is really quite rousing. Um, and that is, of course, because this is the sad fact that uh, this week was the second anniversary of the invasion of the Ukraine by Russia. And the fact that the Ukrainians have now suffered two years of war and destruction and death and misery and all the rest. So, um... yeah, I saw a figure today that I think I think it was 31,000, they reckon, have died. Yeah, on the Ukrainian side, which is dreadful, isn't it? Yep, it's it's terrible, terrible, terrible. War is an unpleasant business all around. Let's be honest. Um, yeah, but there we go. Um, so don't forget, you know, don't forget, people. If you can spare a few quid for the Ukrainian Red Cross or some other way to support the Ukrainian people feel free to do so via a reputable website. There we are. Indeed. Indeed. There we go. So, um, not forgetting the people of Ukraine, but moving on to more cheerful matters, I suppose. Um, this week, Steve Jobs would have celebrated his 69th birthday uh, yesterday, I believe. Um, oh, right. Um... Tim Cook, as usual, um, put post on X Twitter saying remembering my friend Steve on his birthday. Um, there we go. Not a lot to say about that. That's just, you know, um, just a fact of life that uh, he would have been 69 today. Uh, well, yes. yesterday. And the, and the, the roll, the years roll by. <laughs> and the roll, yes, indeed. And the years don't stop going past do they so there we are anyway before we go on to the rest of the not necessarily very newsy news yeah you said you've got some something to talk about nick so we'll talk about that oh, first. just a just a couple of things uh you know there are other shows that do uh what uh what, what, have, what have you been doing in your mac week oh yes they have <laughs> one show in particular one show in particular <laughs> yes. What? Uh, my Mac. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Um, so yes, I've been. 
a little while ago, I bought myself a ScanSnap IX1500, I think it is, which is basically a quite a weighty uh, box about the size of a uh, shoe box, perhaps. Maybe a little bit smaller than a shoe box, but around about that size with a uh, flat down lid. And when you open the lid, that becomes the feeder for the scanner. Okay. Uh, and it's for scanning documents, effectively. So um, I've been making use of it this week. I've been working my way through big piles of papers, which I didn't really want to keep. But, you know, where you think, oh, should I throw this away or shouldn't I? I'll scan it. <laughs> yeah. So I've scanned, I must have scanned about through six, seven hundred pieces of paper <laughs> quite easily. And uh, and I've been doing a lot of shredding this week, which is very therapeutic. Yes, it is, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm I'm pretty impressed by this. I mean, it wasn't cheap. I think it was getting on towards three hundred quid. Uh, this scanner, but it's darn good. I mean, literally, it. I mean, it, like most scanners, it does tend to jam occasionally, but on the whole, it's pretty darn good. And the nice thing is, if you're putting in documents. Uh, you know, four or five page documents or whatever. It's scanning both sides when it's pulling it through, so you, you don't have to scan each side separately. That's nice. And it turns them straight into a PDF. Excellent. Um, so I'm actually, I've actually got a, a box account, and I'm putting them straight into my box account because I've got a fair amount of storage in there, and um, and it's got its own, um, its own, what would you call it, like cataloging software. So basically, you scan an item and then you what i've been doing is just going in and typing the a title for for each one it will it will guess what the title is but it's not particularly good at doing that so <laughs> uh so i I've, I've been putting the titles on it but uh uh but if it finds a date it will actually insert the date on the document which is quite clever that's nice yeah another nice yeah twist so yeah so that's been keeping me busy i've uh yeah, I've got through a lot of stuff, and there's still a lot of stuff to do, but uh, it means I can then just get rid of the stuff, which is yeah, great. Indeed. And then, just um, make a bit more room. I have to admit, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to go down that route, it is worth investing in a dedicated document scanner rather than a normal. Yes, it is. Yeah, if you if you're going to do it with a flatbed or with a oh, the dash, or, or with your phone or whatever, it really is hard. Yeah, it takes forever. Oh, so. some. Something else I've tried this week as well, although I've not got it set up yet. Um, I've been trying to think how, you know how you can scan with your phone sometimes? You know, yes. if you, want, you take a photo of something. But the trouble is you can never get it straight. I don't know that you're, you know, it doesn't matter how you hold it. You, it looks level, but when you actually comes out, it's squiff by a little bit. And Either that or I'm just rubbish at it. It could be that. <laughs> um so I thought, I wonder if there's a way of getting something that would hold my iPhone level. Um, I was thinking of something, you know, sort of pyramid-like, where you put your document underneath or your, or your photo underneath, and then you take a photo of it from above. Um, and I searched on, on um, Amazon, as you do, and I couldn't find anything. But th uh, this week, I managed to find a, um, a ring light but with a camera insert in it, a, a phone insert in it. Okay. So uh, so I bought that. It clamps onto a side of a desk, and then you can – and then I'm, the idea is then I'll, I'll put a, a level on top of it to make sure I've got it level, uh, and then I'll be able to scan stuff just by putting it on my desk underneath this contraption. And the fact that it's got a ring light as well. Well, that's handy, um, of course. Well, it's advertised as a sort of um, – 
you know, if you're doing a lot of sales and things like that, and you want to take good photos of your the things you're selling, yes, that you yeah. can use this ring light to light that, or you can use it as a camera. Put your put your phone in it and stream with the ring light. Uh, so there's lots of uses for it. So I'm looking forward to getting that set up at some point. And you lastly, you don't really it, need a level, you know. You don't need a level because there's, one, there's a bubble level in your phone. Oh, of course, yes. Oh well, I'll use that then. There's a, little, there's a little bubble level in the phone, and when it's actually perfectly square, uh, you know, yes. the, it goes yellow to show you that you've got the bubble right in the centre. Ah, right. Oh, okay, I'll look for that. I'd forgotten that. Um, um, and finally, uh, so I've been using Backblaze for quite a long time, quite a number of years. And the last renewal I felt was rather expensive. So Backblaze is unlimited. So that's one advantage of it. But the fact is, I don't use huge amount. I think I've got just over two terabytes in it. And a lot of that is duplication <laughs> from various things. Um, so I started to look around to see what else I could find, to see if I could find anything cheaper. So my Backblaze lasts until October this year. So um, I've got plenty of time. But I've already found something that is cheaper, and that's iDrive. So iDrive is not only a backup software, but it's also um, and cloud storage. But it's also um, it's got what it calls a cloud drive, which is like a syncing a syncing uh, yes. tool as well. Uh, and what I've signed up to is their five gigabyte five terabyte option, which is plenty for me. And the first year is nine pounds ninety five. Very nice. That's it. Not a month. That's nine pounds ninety five for the first year, <laughs> and after that, it's about sixty five quid, which is still cheaper. I think I paid over two hundred pounds to Backblaze the last time for two years. Ouch! Backblaze uh, always used to be the cheapest, but mm. well, obviously not anymore. At the moment, um, according to this, I've gone to their site. Uh, a personal two terabyte service, uh, thirty uh, currently. $34.75 for the first year. Um, is it Backblaze? No, this is iDrive. Uh, iDrive, right. Um, and 200 and... Oh, that's business. Business, no, we're not interested in business. So the business is $50 per 250 gigabytes. Um, and that price is currently a special United Kingdom offer of 50% off. So apparently it's normally... Uh, six about sixty nine dollars. That's right. Let's call it seventy dollars for two terabytes. Apparently, for two terabytes. Oh right, mm. okay. Let's have a look. Uh, Let's have a look. That have a look. wasn't what I. There's a whole, but there's a whole bunch here. So um, there's iDrive okay. Mini. iDrive.com. Hold on a minute. Oh, it's just take me into my iDrive. How <laughs> 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 how do I get to the website? Uh, Personal. Something else. Five terabytes um, is apparently seventy dollars for the first year, but currently, if you're in the UK, it's half off. So, um, oh, maybe I was just lucky getting in there then. Perhaps. Maybe you got um, a special, very special deal. Um, yeah, I don't seem to be able to get onto the website now because it basically says, "Oh, you've already signed in." Don't, well, yeah. I suppose I could sign out. Hold on a second. Um, according to this, uh, to the iDrive Personal five terabytes. Is normally a hundred dollars a year, but the first year is sixty nine sixty five, 
and at the moment if you're in the uk you can save 50 percent. so you can get your first year for oh, well, about $35. oh yes but if you look above if you look above it, it says if you look above it it says switch today oh it's gone <laughs> switch today 90 percent off five terabytes of cloud backup at nine pound ninety five dollars for the first year oh nice oh have you have you got on to the I'm english on, well, i'm on I, oh, I, 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 i've signed up to the american one i think that's what it is <laughs> ah, anyway whatever um oh no here we are I've, yeah. gone to the, I've gone to the main page best multi ah. oh this should take me somewhere else now best multi computer yeah i switch switch today 90 percent off yes yeah so it's 9.95 for the first year first and year. then it's 69 well a hundred dollars technically a hundred dollars um that's the full price, apparently. But ah, right, okay. At the moment, oh, this is one of these things where it's all sorts of different. But of course, you're saving around. a bit if you're in the UK. You're saving a bit anyway because yeah, it's so anyway, what, not... whatever. It's, yeah, <laughs> cheap, cheaper than um, cheaper than Backblaze. Cheaper than yeah. Backblaze. There we are. I've heard of iDrive before. Um, they're not so right. I'm in that. Pro- I'm in the process. The other thing they do, although I haven't taken them up on it, is that they they send you a. They ask you to send you a link to. They will actually import your data if you like from Backblaze. Oh right. It's kind of them, but I'm ju- I've just started backing up as I would do normally. It just takes a few days to actually get through all my data. Yeah. So, uh, but there you go. Just uh, out of interest, if if you're uh, if you're paying Backblaze a lot, then have a look at iDrive. Yep. I've definitely heard of them before. They're um, they're quite well known. I'll be honest. Yes, oh, they've been around for quite a while. Yeah, they're um, according to this here, um, you won't find a better overall online backers backup service than the fully featured iDrive for the price. That was PC Magazine, so mm-hmm. recommended by PC Magazine. So just you know, just make it clear they're not some company nobody's ever heard of. There we are. I've got, um, it's not a backup service, but I have an account with a company called Shadow Drive. Oh. Who used to be something else. Because I remember I got I got this email saying, welcome to Shadow Drive, your new, you know, syncable uh, cloud storage option. And it was like, what? What the hell is this? How am I, you know, where has this come from? But it turned out they were called something else previously. But uh, it, was, it was something like that wouldn't didn't give you any clue about what the company did. Oh, right. And so okay. basically, I assume that they somebody had said to them, maybe if we called our product something <laughs> that explains what it is we do, pe- yes. more people might sign up. <laughs> Wibble isn't a you know it's a bit of a non giveaway if you called Wibble. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is why yeah, I, I, I always thought it was strange that um, one of those like was it you send it or we send big files or something like that. They did exactly the opposite. They rebranded their service to something so generic it was like. Nobody's ever going to remember what the hell that is. <laughs> it's like yes. me as a really yeah. stupid manoeuvre. But there you go. Yes, rebranding isn't always a good thing to do. Not always. Sometimes it's you know. Sometimes it's for the best. Anyway, uh, it's called 
shadow drive and you can get a reasonable amount of storage on there for free. I think you can get 20 gig or something for nothing. Um, well, that's not bad. I, I think it's that. I think it's 10 gig on iDrive. So yeah. if you just if you just want to sign up for it just for a bit of spare, you know, just for a little bit of backup. 10, 10 gigs not bad actually. I think I I think I've got a little bit more on Box because I I did it, it Box was one of those that offered free storage if you recommended people and things like that. Yeah, well, I remember I several of the accounts I've got like my one um uh was it one one drive the the Microsoft one. Yes, yeah. And um because I was quite an early adopter, when they put it on the iPhone, several of these people, like Box, would give you a, oh, we'll give you 15 extra gigabytes grandfathered in forever if you yeah. install it on your That's iPhone right. when it was That's brand right. new. Box was the same. I've actually got 50 gig. 50 gig on box so that's <laughs> that's quite a lot actually yeah there we go uh shadow drive um which is is more like one drive or box or or dropbox or whatever um is a european company and uh they're free yeah they're free service will give you 20 gigabytes of cloud storage um so there you are. Um, yet another two, one. I've, two terabytes I've, for four ninety nine a month. a month. That's not bad. It's not bad, is it? Um, no. Uh, the lowest priced privacy centric cloud drive on the market, apparently. Free well, up to twenty looking, yeah. gigabytes. I wonder. Uh, I wonder how much it is for. Uh, they would call something for... stupid like Hirix or or something that nobody could. Um, no, <laughs> didn't didn't make any sense whatsoever. But uh, there you go. Yeah, the only thing it doesn't say on here is their pricing structure. I mean, it says four ninety nine a month. Uh, uh, but I can't see anything which said says prices, uh, or whether they do larger larger amounts. Um, got Pro. It might be one of these. Your Windows PC in the cloud. No, that's um, that's their drive. That's their. PC cloud service. Their virtualization, yeah. Virtual virtualization service. Um, no, it looks like drive. they just do two terabytes. It's got that. I've just gone on to Shadow Drive and it's yeah, got 20, gig, 20 gigabytes is free and two terabytes at four ninety nine a month. So that's a five, that's around about the same as, as the other, isn't it? It's five twelve sixty mm. at sixty quid. Yeah, that's not bad actually. Yeah, well, there you go. Now you've, made, not, now you've made me think. <laughs> but that's not a backup solution. No. It's, it's more like one, you know, iCloud drive or OneDrive or any yes. of those other clouds. It's, it's a sinking solution, yeah. It is, yes. It allows you to keep your stuff uh, synchronised across devices and so on. So there, there you go. go. So there we are. Um, right. So let's have a look at a few stories then, shall we? Um According to 9to5Mac, this is how much it costs Apple to make the 3500 Vision Pro. It's not strictly true, as is often the way with headlines. This is an estimated bill of materials, um, which is not how much it costs to make something. It's how much they think the parts add up to. Even so, based on that, they... Uh, 
Uh, Omida Research estimates that Vision Pro's hardware components cost $1,542, with the most expensive component being the micro LED display, of which they used two. Um, and I yeah, I mean, that, that, that's, yeah, that's all very well, but of course it doesn't take into account the development cost and the... Oh, no. And, 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 the, and the, the bespoke chips and the... <laughs> no, and the assembly and the, you know, shipping yeah, and all yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what I say, these things, this is how much it costs to make. No, it's not. That's how much you think the parts are worth, which is a whole different yeah. kettle of fish. Actually, $1,500 is more than I expected, so that's, that's not that you know, bad, is it, really? It's yeah. not actually considering... Considering, uh, well, considering Apple my, liked to take about a third in yeah, profit like for most of their things. Margin. Um, and yeah. in, in my experience, um, from talking to manufacturers over my working life occasionally, what the materials cost usually adds up to about 10% of the purchase price in a lot right. of. By the time you've added yeah. on all the things and then down the chain, the wholesalers, margins and all the rest. By the time, you know, if it costs a quid to make something, by the time it gets to you, it's a tenner. Um, on low margin products, it might be, you know, it might be 500% rather than a thousand. But um, on, you know, things where people are talking about um, selling something at 500% of the manufacturing cost, that's usually stuff you can sell a lot yeah. of at a low margin so to be honest if it actually costs that much in parts 3500 is an absolute bargain <laughs> yes so i don't know how That's accurate these things are i don't know how accurate these things are but no I no because in the end it's most of it is a guess so of course it is and what yeah. you know if they've shopped around, if they've dismantled one and then shopped around for parts, what they can buy them for and what Apple can buy them for is a whole different ballgame. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it might be $1,500 if you buy them off the shelf, but if you buy them, in, you know, a million at a time, that might be <laughs> exactly. a different thing altogether. Precisely. Plus, you know, we know that <laughs> Apple often put a lot of money into manufacturing plant in order to allow these things to be built and then, no doubt get sweetheart deals on sucking up all the output at a discount, as it were. There we yeah. go. Um, but I, I thought that was, you know, mildly interesting. I don't put a huge amount of stock in those things, but uh, there we no, are. I think you're right. Um, what else have we got? Uh, we've got uh, a critical Mac and iPhone security warning. Stop doing these three things now. This is Forbes, who love their sort of scary headlines. Um, this is because Jamf, who uh, are security and management specialists, and many of our listeners will know, produce uh, products for, you know, uh, group management if you have a fleet of Macs for your sales force or whatever, um, produce security and management products, uh, published a new analysis revealing why so many users are ill-equipped to combat the latest cyber threats. Um, examining real-world data, Jamf researchers have analysed the evolving Apple threat landscape and issued a critical security warning involving three actions 
which leave users open to attack. Correcting them can make a critical difference to your security and privacy. Uh, apparently, cyber hygiene is often abysmal, leaving threat actors ready to strike. Apparently, they've analysed the data of 15 million desktop computers, tablets and smartphones over 90 countries. Um, apparently, they have determined that there are 300 malware families on the Mac OS platform, 21 of which were new in 2023. Um, given reporting regarding Trojans on Apple devices, this malware actually only accounted for 17% of all instances discovered. Um, Jamf state that organisations' cyber hygiene is abysmal and threat actors can strike with the most sophisticated attacks. So anyway, here we go. Here it says, data in the report shows Mac and mobile fleets have fared reasonably well over the last 12 months. But this is largely due to sheer luck with a growing list of malicious tactics emerging. Uh, right. Jamf research found that users were turning off basic features which provide critical device security. And their advice is do not disable File Vault. Um, we discovered that 36% um, of devices, the File Vault had been disabled. Um, so, yeah, don't disable your file vault. Don't disable the firewall. Um, up to 55% of Macs had firewall disabled. Now, this one is... I have to point the finger at Apple at this one, I'll be honest, because uh, the firewall on the Mac is off by default, and you have to know where to go and turn it on. It's not that difficult to find, but, uh, you know, if you're a beginner user, you probably would not know where to look. Um, I don't oh. know. I don't know why Apple will turn the firewall off by default. I don't no, I've they... just noticed my file vault is off. <laughs> uh, well, file on on, um... on the Mac. Yeah. Well, on, on you yeah. know, it's not on by default, I don't think. No. Uh, on personal devices, it's much less important. Well, I mean, what they're saying here is it would appear that it's been disabled on 30%, 36% of devices in the research pool, which I mean, I suspect means it was probably turned on when the, when oh, the right. device was issued to them. Yes. Um, and again, yeah. with I mean, because they are talking about corporate environments here. Um, and finally, third is lock screen protection. Um a fundamental feature of mobile devices securing data from unauthorized access. Yeah. Um, also, yeah, there are quite a lot. There are quite a lot of people who can't remember passcodes and things, so they just leave them open. I've yeah. got quite a lot of people down at church who own phones with, without any protection on them. Yeah, not not great. Uh, you know, as a personal user, probably not the end of the world. But um... no, but yeah. It always makes me feel a little bit, oh, you shouldn't really be doing that. You shouldn't really be doing that, you know, which is why, of course, face ID or touch ID is so welcome because it's... Yes. I must admit, when I read these three don'ts uh, um, or three, yeah, three warnings, I thought they are fairly basic, really. I mean, it's a little bit like, you know, don't give your phone... To someone you don't know, or, or to someone with the with the word "baddie" tattooed on his chest, <laughs> exactly. it's probably not a good idea. 
don't don't you know don't hand your don't hand your expensive device to that guy in the stripy shirt the domino mask and the bad beret <laughs> with the bag on his back mark swag swag yeah definitely not him <laughs> don't don't do that um i mostly put this in here because yes they are fairly obvious um and they are mostly talking about corporate fleets yeah. But um I'm not sure if File Vault is turned on by default. I I don't think it can be because as I say, I, I'm sure I used to have it on, on my machine, but it's not on. I haven't got it on now. Oh well. Um I thought it was I thought they configured firewall uh, file vault when you uh, when you set the machine up from scratch. Maybe you have the option to en- enable it or not when you set the machine up. Yeah, maybe and maybe I chose not to at that time and then I've forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> Again, as a personal oh. user, you know, if you're not likely to be the target of third party Yes, and I've got lot I've got lots of other stuff with for malware and goodness knows what else, so I suppose I'm reasonably well protected really. But um there we are. But what amazed me was just, you know, the p- percentages here of what I assume are people in corporate environments who have, you know, not using basic protection. Um, yeah. Firewall. Uh, uh, firewall. Le- leaving, uh, leaving computer, walking away from computers and leaving them open is something that, uh, you know, our, our security guys used to be very hot on. Oh, yeah, don't, you know. Yeah, so. Lock your screen. Um, Indeed. Three percent of iPhones and iPads had the lock screen disabled, and twenty-five percent of organisations had at least one user with a lock screen disabled. Which is um, um, that's not that's not good for a company. <laughs> no, not very good. No. You know. Um, so there we are. Um, still, sort of in the security uh, one. This this one was Gruber at Daring Fireball. Uh, iMessage with PQ3, the new state-of-the-art in quantum-secure messaging at scale. This is on Daring Fireball. Um, Basically, um, Apple have said uh, that they are implementing um, a new type of uh, encryption, which will be shipping in... Uh, all the new OSs, so 17.4, 14.4, and 10.4, uh, and this will be implemented automatically. Uh, they will be using a new PQ3, um, which uh, is basically um, a new and incredibly complex encryption, which apparently should be strong enough to uh, prevent cracking even by, you know, future quantum-level computers. Um, Jolly good. Apple looking after our security yet again. Yes, and looking ahead. Um, I, I love this first sentence. It says, historically, messaging platforms have used classical public key cryptography, such as RSA, elliptic curve signatures, and Diffie-Hellman key exchange. <laughs> I've never heard of any of those. But, uh, uh, interesting. Yeah, I, I do know RSA and um, elliptic curve I've heard of. But um, all these algorithms are built on difficult mathematical problems which have long been considered too computationally intensive for computers to solve, even allowing for Moore's law. 
the rise of quantum computing threatens to change this equation. A sufficiently powerful quantum computer could solve these classical mathematical problems in fundamentally different ways and therefore, in theory, do so fast enough to threaten the security of end-to-end -end encryption. Um, so, as it says here, quantum computers with this capability do not exist yet. Extremely well-resourced attackers can already prepare for their possible arrival by taking advantage of the decrease in modern data storage costs. Uh, the premise is such attackers could collect large amounts of today's encrypted data, file it away for future reference, and then decrypt it later. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but, so. you know, there's a lot of talk, there is a lot of talk about quantum computing and it is, you know, pretty likely that uh, they're going to make some breakthroughs. I read a I read a piece the other day, which I probably should have bookmarked. Stupidly, I didn't, which was um, that um, some researchers were working on a way to harness quantum computing in a hybrid manner with uh, classical computing in order to, you know, get large speed benefits. Obviously not for your desktop computer. They were talking about large computing arrays for doing, um, um, you know... Clever stuff. Protein, protein <laughs> um, mapping. Sequencing. And sequencing yeah. and, and all that sort of stuff. But uh, it was an interesting article and I should have, mar I should have made a, I should have made a bookmark of it because it was, uh, it was quite in depth about how they wanted to uh, use a hybrid approach using um, some quantum computing and large amounts of classical computing. But mm -hmm. anyway, there we go. Um, for what that's worth, Apple are uh, implementing a P PQ3, which I'm guessing possibly stands for post-quantum. Um, and tidbits, uh, following on from that, new iMessage PQ3 encryption protects against post-quantum attacks. Um, which sounds like something that they introduced in a sci-fi program, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, <laughs> we're under attack by post-quantum attacks. Yeah, uh, post Apple security wrote today. We announced the most significant cryptographic security upgrade in iMessage history with the introduction of PQ3, groundbreaking post-quantum cryptographic protocol, and advancing the state of the art of end-to-end -end secure messaging. They won't like it, you know. They won't, uh, the, particularly the governments, they won't like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, there we go. Um, and they, I think I've seen other pieces about that. So if you're interested in reading about that, uh, links in the show notes, or, of course, just search in the engine of your choice for PQ3, and no doubt you will find lots of stuff about it. Um the important takeaway for the rest of us is that the cryptographic community considers quantum computing a plausible threat and working to block future attacks. Uh, PQ3 encryption will roll out with 17.4, 14.4 and watch 10.4 um, and will fully replace the existing protocol for conversations between support devices this year. So there we go. Um, apparently, uh, iPhone 15 owners are still having Bluetooth problems six months after launch. Um, 
apparently some iPhone 15 owners of any of the uh, any of the flavors of iPhone 15 have been having issues uh, with Bluetooth connection issues since uh, the very beginning. Um, a user noted they have regularly had Bluetooth issues with iPhones and their 2014 BMW, but software often fixes the problem. This has not been the case with their iPhone 15, which regularly disconnects from the car's Bluetooth and forces the driver to use as the phone speaker. Um, Interesting. I wonder whether that's some backward compatibility thing. Who knows? Because, um, I mean, cars are... I mean, you've had problems, haven't you, with your Bluetooth? Oh, my, my, my Bluetooth in my car is shocking. I'm I'm always amazed if I tap the phone thing. when I, I do it almost by habit now. I get in the car and I tap yeah. the phone uh, button to see if it's still, you know, if it's still showing as a connected Yeah, and I've had device. problems with previous cars as well. I'm, I'm guessing it's some kind of Bluetooth in, incompatibility between newer and older versions oh, i've no idea because mine once it's connected it, it's fine but it has a right. tendency to forget it so forget some, it yeah yeah and it, it doesn't show up as previously paired it just vanishes and then i have to like delete the device from my phone and repair it which is tedious yeah bluetooth has always been a bit i mean <laughs> didn't didn't steve call it a bag of hurt or something bluetooth. oh no that was that, that was um Oh no, that was something else, wasn't that it? That was something else, the Blu-ray, I think. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Oh, whatever, whatever it was, anyway. Because uh, it, it, I've always had odd problems with Bluetooth. I've got a, um, I've got a pedal um, that is for use with my iPad um, when I'm playing music. You know, to turning pages on my yeah. iPad. And sometimes it works fine, and other times, like you, it sort of like says, "Well, yeah, what pedal? What I pedal? can't see a pedal. I can't see." And a you, pedal. again, you have to go through the unpair and then repair, and uh, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Bluetooth has always been a bit for me, anyway. Sometimes it works really reliably, like these headphones, for instance, that I'm wearing. Uh, they have no problem every time I put them on, switch them on. It says, "Oh, yes, you're connected to uh, to your iMac," and um, and away it goes, and it, it never fails. But I've had other devices that are just <laughs> yeah. just drop in and out like a yo-yo. Uh, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, it says here, another user claimed their iPhone 15 Pro Max works with their car, but struggles with their AirPods Max and their Beats Studio Buds. Oh, well, that's unusual, isn't which it? Which is not mm. good. Uh, with It says here... Uh, repeatedly cutting out or disconnecting while calls might drop after five to ten minutes. Now that anyway. sounds a little bit like they've got a bad batch of Bluetooth chips or something. Well, because um, they often find that out in retrospect, don't they? Yeah, they've had a they've had a little bad batch of something. It says here, uh, users. Some users, some users, still seem to be suffering from issues after six months, um, and. Some users say they were told the problem would be fixed in a future update, but we're up to 17, nearly at 17.4 and it apparently hasn't been fixed. Um, another article I read rather than this uh, Tom's Guide noted that some people say that if Apple have replaced their device, the problem goes away. So oh, That's interesting. That sounds to me like what you've just said, a dodgy batch of, you know, a dodgy batch of Bluetooth chips or yeah radio it's a shame or it, 
It's a shame are. that sometimes it takes quite so long to get sorted out, doesn't it? Particularly for those people who are suffering with it. I mean, so. Yes, I mean, if you're suffering from it, you know, you've got a 1,200 quid iPhone and it refuses to stay connected to your 500 quid AirPods Max, I think I'd be <laughs> a bit annoyed. Ser- yeah. seriously miffed. So, yeah. <laughs> slightly, you know, slightly put out, to yeah. put it mildly. There we go. Um I'm guessing when you're selling as many devices as Apple do, yeah, actually, actually tying down the the actual problem could be really complex. Yeah, exactly. You know, and if it's not, not that I'm giving excuses, not that I'm giving excuses to Apple, but no, but you know, um, it is a big, it is a big company, and they sell an awful lot of devices. Of and you know, I mean, when they're saying quite a lot of people, you know, they're saying. You know, maybe 2,000 people on the support thread saying, I have this problem. Um, that doesn't make it any less annoying for them. But it would, Oh, no, absolutely. But yeah. It would seem very much like if that's actually a, a, a bad Bluetooth radio problem, Apple should just be pulling in the ones that are bad and saying, yeah, fine, we'll replace it and fixing it. There we are. Um, but, of course... Maybe tracking down exactly what the cause is and what batch it is, etc., is not as straightforward as you might think. Hmm. Uh, we have a rumour, a rumour. We don't normally do rumours, but um, there's not a huge amount of exciting news. And um, I found this one uh, moderately interesting. I think we've mentioned it before, Nick. Um, a new rumour suggests an Apple ring could be imminent. Uh, ever since Samsung teased a new Galaxy Ring last month, rumours have swirled that Apple could be working on its own smart ring. Um, I think this is usually based on the fact that in the past Apple have uh, registered patents, re- you know, related to some kind of smart ring. Yeah. Um, as I say, yeah, Apple uh, has filed many patents over the years for all sorts of devices, including necklaces and key rings. Um, Apple Ring patents do feature prominently among filings which go back to 2015, which suggests there might be some smoke to this fire. Well, Apple have a lot of, as uh, Tim Cook tends to uh, define them, areas of interest. And um, whether or not they consider it worth going forward with is a whole different matter. So, as they say here... uh, People made the same assumption about a folding iPhone after the first Galaxy Fold appeared, and here we are, five years later, uh, with more questions than answers on what Apple might be doing in that area. So, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I can see it myself. Um, I don't know. I could see, I just don't see I don't see what its use case is, really. I mean, your phone does all the health stuff and the... And your watch, you know. So what do you need a ring for? Mm, I'm not quite sure. Not sure. I guess... Uh, I don't know. I guess if you're enamoured enough of tracking your health and whatnot, maybe you would might be interested in it. But then, you know, some things attract a lot more attention than you ever think they would. So I don't know. I guess it would depend on what it was designed to do and what benefits it could uh, could offer you. Yeah, yeah, that's um, right. It ha- it would have to be. I mean, I suppose the only thing is, I mean, you could wear it all the while and 
whereas a watch you you wear some of the time and take off some of the time or uh, yeah i'm just uh, trying to see it trying to see how, why why you'd want to go for something that small and that i, I don't know uh, as they say here it's not hard to imagine apple finding a way to integrate its smart ring with the vision pro um i wonder what um i wonder what the um, galaxy I wonder what kind of sales they're getting on the Galaxy Ring. Then I hadn't heard I'm about not, that. I'm not even sure that it's actually um, available yet. I think they announced it, but um, oh right, okay. But I don't think it's actually something you can buy. I know there are smart rings out there you can buy. The big one being the uh, was it Ura, I believe. Um, it says here Samsung are expected to unveil, unveil its smart ring at the galaxy unpacked event this summer um we'll see we'll see i I, personally i don't think apple will produce a ring mm, i don't think that's likely it's hard to tell but it is hard to tell because i've said things where i've had to eat my hat before so (laughs) (laughs) i guess if apple could if apple figured out some way to make it a worthy accessory to your watch um particularly for health monitoring i could yeah see i just don't know what you could do with being... a, not quite sure what you could do with a, a ring that you can't do with a watch no no anyway there we go as it says new rumor could be imminent as usual hyperbole i suspect um <laughs> yes but then again, um, these people do like to have clickbait headlines to make you uh, of course. Have, a look, have a look at their pieces. Um, and uh, iMore, following on from that, says Apple's first folding device won't be an iPhone. Um, again, more rumours, really. But this one I, I do agree with. Um, I think if Apple are going to produce a folding device, I don't think that they would do it on the iPhone first. Um, I I could see a much more likelihood of them doing it with an iPad because, for a start, that's a much smaller market than the, than the phone itself. Yeah. Which would allow them to effectively, effectively trial the technology. Um and I suspect iPads would be folded and unfolded a lot less than a phone. Um, in some ways, it's a shame we like... can't. Uh, it's a shame we can't get someone on who actually owns a folding device. Because I'd, lo- I'd love to get some feedback from someone who actually owns one, and whether they mm. like it or not, and whether they whether it makes a big difference to them or. Yeah. Because yet again, it's one of those things where I think, yeah, but why? Mm. Why do you want a folding device? Why? Why? Why do you want to fold it up? I don't. <laughs> Personally, don't really see the appeal. Um, no, but I'd I'd be interested, you know, if uh, if you come across anyone who owns one, <laughs> will, invite them on. I will indeed. I will indeed. Um, but I I don't know anyone who owns a folding device, so there can't be that many around. Otherwise, you'd see some. Um, and I I don't not on a regular basis. I don't see any no, at all. No, I've, I've seen one or two in the wild both of which looked yeah maybe if i was still working i might see one or two more but i i I just think this piece i think they're correct my thought immediate thought was 
an iPad would make more sense. It's a much smaller market. It's likely to be folded and unfolded a lot less than a phone. If it went kind of horribly wrong, it's not going to be the same sort of disaster for Apple to deal with as it would if they shipped a foldable phone. Although, you know, unless they shipped all, nothing but foldable phones, I'm sure a large number of people wouldn't actually bother to get a foldable iPhone to begin with. Um, it, it just seems to me that that would make much more sense um, to have. Because imagine if you had something like a, you know, your, your sort of 10-inch iPad, which is very thin, and then... You know, had that doubled up so you could have effectively sort of 10 by 14 or something panel, which folded in half like a like a MacBook. That would that would make much more sense to me, to be honest. I mean, what people what people really want are, are you know, in um, you're in Stargate where the um, the the baddies have these sort of uh, big headdresses that fold down into nothing. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. The yeah, that's what they want. They want something big, but they want it small. They want it small but big. <laughs> big but small. They want them, yeah. Or um, was it? Is it Batman? Or or maybe it's um, no, Iron Man, where he presses the button and his armored suit kind of clatters out of nowhere and covers. Oh them yes, up, which is very similar to the baddies in Stargate and their collapsing and headdresses. That's right. That's right. But um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I have some sympathies with that idea that, you know, you want something that's easy enough to put in your pocket, but will fold out into something huge that is really useful and practical. But uh, whether we'll ever get that, who knows? I'm definitely not going to say we'll never get it because uh, no. I, with the to, leaps in technology we always seem to have, who knows? It could be. I, To some extent, I have more faith in the slightly further out technology of having it because rollable was it oleds or whatever are a thing you can get these yes. rollable tvs and whatnot and i've seen i've seen stuff at places like ces where people have got demos where effectively if you imagine your phone and then you could pull the side of your phone out and the screen would unroll from inside like a roller blind so that the Yeah, thing that, would... that's that's a nice idea. If that would, to... yes, if we can get that working, I think that would sell pretty well. And that would probably be a far more um effective solution in reality if you could do yes. that in a sensible manner. Um I'm sure it'd take a lot of engineering and probably a lot of software work to make it uh, viable. Yeah, but, you don't, um, and you'd always have that problem where you let go of it, it goes like a roller blowing. Snaps back on your finger. Ow! Like when you pull out an elastic band and slip and it snaps back on your thumb. Ow! Anyway, there we go. That was more speculation there. I I think I yeah, do. Agree Vinny with thinks that. that's. A, I think Vinny thinks that's a possibility. Yeah, I, I just I just think uh, for many reasons, if you're going to have a folding object, I think an iPad makes much more sense than a phone. Certainly hmm. to begin with. I can I, I can yeah I can see uh, your your logic with the smaller market and all that 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 does make more sense. But but, um, but also I yeah, just think I, that I, whole... I really like the idea of the expanding 
thingy me that comes out at the side. That's that's yeah. cool, but whether that'll ever become a thing, who knows? Well, I've seen I've seen people doing you know demos of such things. Yes. although obviously they're not yeah. anywhere near the size of a you know a commercial or the qual- or the quality. I think that's part of the problem, isn't it? It's getting yes. getting some of suitable quality of suitable quality because if you're going to make it flexible and whatnot, you know you have all those issues. But I have seen yeah. it done. It can be done. So. Um, that's another option. Um, Apple's chip maker is moving towards two nanometer processors in 2025. This is Cult of Mac. Um, all this really says, uh, to be sure, is two nanometer chips on schedule for 2025. Uh, the main reason this is of any note was because, um, the Three nanometer processors were originally scheduled to be in production in 2022, and they couldn't get them ready until 2023. Um, wow, you know. But uh, now um, it says Apple hasn't officially committed, but it's an open secret the company will move to two nanometer chips in 2025. Um, and uh, TSMC. Uh, have basically said that their two nanometer process is on schedule. So, so that is an example of it's very small, but it's very big. <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> this is very very small. Not but there's far an awful away. lot in there. Yeah, not, <laughs> not far, far away. away. Not far yeah. away. It's very very small. Yes, to quote Father Ted, there we are. Um, and... I, remember, I remember. I remember when I was quite young, um, probably my last years in um, senior school. Um, going, uh, Birmingham University used to do like open days, and they would encourage some of the the sixth formers to go off to these open days. They were often very good, and I remember get one in particular that was talking about chip manufacture and was talking about um, the scale, and they used a campus as an example. And they said, you know, here's a campus, and and by this year, we're if if the campus were a chip, then by this year it'll be, you know, the United States of America, and by this year it'd be the whole world, and mm. by this year it'd be this this side of the universe. And you think, yeah, that's just mind-boggling, <laughs> the <laughs> amount of stuff that we can now. When you consider how big a transistor used to be, oh yeah, and the number and the number of billions we can fit into a tiny, tiny space, it's just it's insane. Yeah. It's absolutely mind-boggling, unbelievably. You know, the rate at which we have compressed. Blimey, I'm pretty sure I remember when um, chips were having a problem getting below fifty nanometers, and there was, you know, there was a a stall at about fifty nanometers, and it was quite. Yeah, it's the end of Boyle's law. I remember those stories. You know, all those things. (laughs) You know, Moore's law is done, and then all of a sudden, you know, the next thing was, oh, you know, breakthrough down to forty nanometers, and then from there, it kind of crushed down to twenty when there was another sticking point. I I think Boyle's law is to do with pressure, isn't it? (laughs) That's the, the wrong wrong scientist, sorry. Boyle, Boyle's <laughs> law is something to do with gas pressure, I think. Gas pressure, yeah, 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 that's right, yeah. Moore's law. It was Moore's, Moore's law I meant. Yes, I know. We all know what you mean, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. Um, and Hooke's law is something to do with springs, if I recall. 
oh, stretching my brain, right. stretching my spread brain back a long, long way. Couldn't Indeed. tell you what any. I couldn't even tell you what Boyle's law actually is. But it's something to do with. Oh, it's to do with displacement. You know, it's a little bit like um, uh, uh, what's his name in Eureka. You know, it's a, when you get in the bath. Right, the level of the water goes up. It's something to do with that. Okay. Anyway, but that, that's about as that's about as accurate as I get on the matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There we are. Um, and apparently, uh, according to iMore again, uh, Apple Maps to get a big boost in the UK. I've seen this elf elsewhere as well. Um, data collection to fuel improved navigation detail place information focusing on Birmingham, Manchester and London. What a surprise. Oh. Um but well, I'm not um, complaining about that being in Birmingham. That's good. Apple is about to kick off an 8-month UK project to improve map service which will see Apple cars not Apple cars, Apple cars. <laughs> and uh, even, right, yes. Yeah, not Apple cars, <laughs> Apple cars. <laughs> Uh, and backpack wearing walkers traverse the country and, and basically oh i'm going to i'm going to chase them and wave at every possible opportunity <laughs> yeah uh, and there is a picture here of a person with a what looks very much like a, some sort of apollo backpack which is branded apple maps of course it is um oh, with a yeah. load of cameras on the top of it um i checked i checked google maps uh, street viewing google maps yesterday and my car is now on it oh so there you go I hope they've blanked out your. Uh... Oh, they have. Yes, they've blanked out my number plate. But yeah. they, it's it's quite amazing. It's uh, it normally it's a number of years, you know. Yeah, behind three years ago, but it's only I think it was last year they took it. So there you go. I I did uh, I remember as well. Um, I was having a look at the front of the Seven Trent Building in Coventry and uh, at one at one point and thought, oh, hold on a minute, I know that person. <laughs> <laughs> I know that person. I mean, you couldn't see their faces because they were blurred out, but I could tell yeah. who they were. <laughs> you could tell who they were because, uh, you know, you know them. It's like all these yes. things. If you know who somebody is, there are many other clues than just their face. Otherwise, Indeed. we wouldn't be able to, to recognise people from a distance without actually seeing their face, would we? Uh, oh, that's a good point. Yeah. You, know, you can look across a room and see somebody in the pub and know who they are by the back of their head if you know them. Just because that's how our brains are. There we are. Indeed. So if if you if you're in the West Midlands anywhere and you look on Apple Maps and you see this whole group of people running around this Apple <laughs> this Apple guy, it's it'll be me and my friends. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look at us, look at us. Uh there we go. Um it says here, um if you see a pedestrian walking the streets in one of these cities over the next few months, lugging around an Apple Maps backpack, you will now know why. Uh, the backpacks are used for pedestrianised locations, streets, parks, stations, etc., inaccessible to cars. Mm. Um, Interesting. Other pedestrian surveys may use iPads, iPhones, or other devices to collect data for map improvement purposes. So there you go. Apparently, they're doing um, an eight-month project to update and improve Apple Maps in the UK. Cool. There we are. That's uh, nice to know. Not that I have much problem with Apple Maps, to be honest. Um, I don't tend to use Apple Maps, I must admit. Um, in the car, I tend to just rely on the sat-nav that's in the car. So I must admit, I do tend to use Apple Maps. I do. Um, I do like Apple Maps. Um and then uh, 
pretty much before we just go on to the worth of chirps or the quick tips um we've got some stuff about apple tv plus nick uh masters of the air which of course we talked about last time um apparently is apple tv plus's most watched series launch ever um I've seen this several places, actually. The one I've got is from Geek Tyrant, who I've never heard of, but um, that came out of Apple News. But um, apparently, Masters of the Air is their most-watched series launch ever, which is interesting. Um, I must admit, I am still... I I think enjoying is probably the wrong term for Masters of the Air, but uh, I'm still watching it with uh, great interest, let's put it that way. So... Mm. Yes, I haven't. I still haven't signed back up to Apple TV yet, but it, it, shortly, it's, probably. Yes, it's it's very good. It's very good. So, um, yeah, enjoying is probably not the word for what it. <laughs> no, <laughs> what, what it it's de- depicting. What it depicts yeah. is not very particularly enjoyable. Um, Apple Plus's space thriller Constellation has divided opinion. Um, this is the one I mentioned to you. Uh, again yeah. last time constellation ah uh, i'm on the fence about this one they released three episodes to start i watched two i haven't watched the third one yet it's a bit stiff going it's a uh, somewhere between a sci-fi story a psychological thriller and a horror and i'm not sure it's undecided hmm. it's stiff going it's quite slow, and um, I find it, I'm finding it hard going. Whether I will continue with that, I shall have to see. Um, one which does uh, another one which pleases me though. Apple's hit sci-fi show is set to resume full, uh, filming following production delays, and this is of course Foundation series three. Um, Yes, I cameras. haven't seen series two yet, but <laughs> and, uh, I've watched bizarrely. I've watched some of series two and then stopped partly because my wife didn't watch it and then said she wanted to catch up, and then we haven't gone back to catch up, as it were. Right. Um, but there's plenty of time, and I have to say, I still what I've watched of it, I still enjoyed, but I did not enjoy it as much, quite as much as season one. But then I had never got to the end, so maybe no. There were parts of it, particularly in the early part, which were a bit like, what? What are you doing? I don't know. There you go. But um, I do I do like Foundation, so I'm, I shall go back and watch the mm-hmm. first half of Series 2 and then the back end of Season 2. But I, it's, it's good to know that it's uh, in production again because it was held up for a variety of reasons. Um uh, and that's pretty much it. The other one I've been watching on Apple TV Plus actually is, uh, what's it called? Criminal, I can't remember now, Criminal something. It's got uh, it's got Peter Capaldi in it. Um, oh, right. That's a very intriguing mystery. Uh, Peter Capaldi plays a, a much older police officer. Um, who was involved with a previous case, and then there's a young woman police officer who's involved with a a recent case, and he seems to be attempting to stymie her investigation. Um, uh-huh. And there's a lot of you know who's doing what here. It's it's very it's good. It's a uh, well, I find it you know 
I'm finding it very good. It's, I think there's one episode left to go. I can't remember what it's called now. Criminal, criminal history, criminal, re, criminal record. Actually, I think it might be called. Anyway, you can't miss it because it's on Apple TV. It's criminal something, and it's got Peter Capaldi in it. And um, I'm really enjoying that one. So there we go. Criminal and, record. Yes, it is criminal record. Thank you. And um, also. Uh, uh, Slow Horses season, next season, what is it, three? Whatever season it is, is also apparently in production because uh, Gary Oldman was seen, you know, uh, getting out of a taxi in the rain because the black cab broke down, but apparently he was here for filming of the new season of Slow Horses. Was he, was he wearing his dirty Mac? In the, show. <laughs> in the photograph, no, he wasn't. But he did have his oh, hair right. all he did have his hair all straggly and um, was wearing oh, right. wearing the glasses and whatnot. So I suspect he was on way on you know on route. Sounds like it, doesn't it? He didn't yeah. actually have his dirty Mac with him. Perhaps if he'd uh, had it, he'd have been happier because it was apparently chucking down with rain. <laughs> that was the whole point. That his cab broke down and he had to get out in the pouring rain. There we oh, are. No. Yeah. But then uh, the paparazzi then had a picture of him with somebody had produced an umbrella for him and he seemed to be laughing it off. So there we are. <laughs> and uh, we'll just wrap it up now then, Nick, because uh, I told you the stories weren't particularly exciting. Um, I've got a few ones which are hints and tips. This one's been all over everything this week. Apple have said... Uh, you know, if you get your phone wet, don't stick it in a bag of rice. They've specifically said this is not a good plan. Um, their uh, reasoning for that is there are better ways to dry it and you're at risk of getting dust or bits of rice or whatever stuck in the charge port, etc. So Yeah, and we won't service a desiccated iPhone. No, exactly. <laughs> so basically, Apple have told you don't do that. Um, Fair there enough. Are better ways to do. Basically, they say you know, hold it up, tap it to get any water out of the charge port. Put it somewhere warm with airflow and leave it until you believe it is thoroughly dried out. And preferably, don't get it wet at all. But you know, there you yeah, go. Yeah, but then again, it's not. It's <laughs> not like that. It's not like the early days, is it? Where you know. It's not like the early days, like no. when my like when my boy knocked his sister's iPhone. I think it was an iPhone six out of her hand, and it dropped straight into the mug of tea. Oh no! Plop. <laughs> you couldn't have you couldn't have done it if you tried. Honestly, you couldn't. But it just <laughs> it went straight into the mug of tea, and it was grabbed and lifted out within seconds. But that was the end of that phone. It never recovered. Yeah, definitely um, don't drop it into a sewage tank. That's not a good idea, right? No, that's not a good idea either. <laughs> There's a, there used to be an old joke around here, the Suffolk joke about uh, the guy who worked the dunny cart back in the, you know, in the twenties or whatever, and yes. uh, his his jacket falls in to the slurry, shall we refer to it? And uh, yeah. he sticks his hand in, and his mate says, "Cough." Oh, why are you bothering to pull that out? That'll be ruined. He goes, sod the jacket. My sandwiches are in the pocket. (laughs) (laughs) 
I like that. <laughs> but anyway, there we go. <laughs> Typical kind of Suffolk humour, that is. Um, yes. A very Suffolk humour, but there we are. Um, as well as that, Apple has debunked the common charging myth, which people claim can ruin your battery. Uh, Apple have definitively said that it is not a problem to leave your phone on charge for long periods of time because your phone will charge until it has reached sufficient charge and then stop because it is a smartphone and a what smart is, what is this charger. Thing, what is this thing with people and batteries? They just, it's, it's like, <laughs> it's exactly the same with electric cars. It's almost like they think that no one's done any thinking around this at all. Oh dear, you know, yeah. don't leave it. Oh yeah, they, what they haven't taken into account is if you overcharge it, it won't work. It'll all go wrong. And oh, you think there are really clever people putting these things together, far get, cleverer than you. <laughs> get out of get out of the nineteen eighties, and you might, yes. you know. Oh, you know, uh, everything yes. is smart, very frustrating to hear. So, and also this thing about, you know, you should, should you charge it when it reaches 20% or should you wait for it to get down to like 2%? Apple have definitively said you can charge it as and when you like. The phone I think will not... I think make... when it comes to batteries, we're a nation of geeks. Mm. <laughs> um, as it says, there are a few certain factors you should take into consideration when charging your phone. Um... Apple explains that temperature can have a big impact on your battery. iPhones are designed to perform well in ambient temperatures from 16 to 22 degrees C. Um, should the temperature be higher? Well, if you're lucky enough to live somewhere which gets above 35 degrees C, on yeah, um, you should avoid using or charging your device until it has cooled down a little bit. And if you live somebody... Uh, if you're cooler than 16 degrees C, unlucky, but second of all, your device will be okay. You may see your battery life seemingly decrease, but this is temporary and will return to normal once the battery's temperature returns to its normal operating range. That's right, because that's what lithium-ion batteries do. <laughs> well, that's, you know, we all know that's, um, that's how it works. That's physics for you people. Indeed. That is physics. Add heat increase the speed of reaction chill it down slows it down there we are but anyway um as it says here apple say basically charge your phone as and when you like it and the charger are smart enough to prevent damage to the battery um, there's a lot uh, qu there's quite a few different cars now that actually have um preheating schedules mm. so if you're if you're navigating somewhere on your sat nav, um, they will um, and, and you and you it knows you're going to a charger. Um, it will start to preheat the battery before it, you actually get to the location, so that the battery's at the optimal temperature for for charging. Actually, interesting. The other day, I, I forgot to mention this. The other day, we had um, the temperature dropped quite suddenly in the evening. Yes. From I mean, it hadn't been particularly warm, but it wasn't cold cold it was about seven degrees or something out yeah. but as the sun went down the temperature rapidly dropped and i'd not know i've never seen this before and i've not seen it since but just once it flashed up a thing about uh ambient temperature um 
do you wish to enable preheating or something? And before I could tap it, it disappeared. So, oh right, <laughs> and I can't find anything about in the in, in the controls anywhere about preheating. So I assume that it was either falsely triggered because uh, last night it was about minus two when I came home from. Ah, um, uh, right, and yes. I did it, it, and it didn't come up then. So whatever it was about. Um, well, there's no point preheating it unless you're actually going to go out somewhere. So none. Well, uh, I mean, when I, at this point, when it when it triggered, I was just driving along. So before I could, react oh right, to, okay. Before I could react to it, it went away. So I've no idea what that was all about, <laughs> and I've never seen it since. Um, but yes, I know, I know Teslas do it. I think um, I think um, uh, the Polestar cars do it. Uh, there are a number of them anyway that. Will if if it knows that you're going to a charger, it will preheat before you get there, because mm. their their operating temp their ideal operating temperature is about twenty five degrees, I think. Mm. Um, so they'll if it's if they're cooler than that, they'll heat the battery before you get there, and then it charges more quickly. Yeah. So there we go. Um, and then the last yeah, couple... people people who make batteries know how they work. <laughs> Strangely <laughs> enough. You know, yeah. these people who've spent many years studying the physics of, you know, batteries and electronics and so on. I'm pretty sure they know what they're doing. Um, uh, there's one, one guy who, uh, who I watch. Um, oh, I'm trying to think what his name is now. Uh, Ewan McTurk. You can tell he's a Scot by his name. <laughs> um, but he's a, he's a battery chemist. That's his, that's his job. Um, uh, and he does quite a lot of uh, YouTube EV stuff. So if you're interested in blowing uh, a lot of the rumours out of the water, then Ewan McTurk is a good guy to listen to because he, he actually knows he does, you know, he works with batteries. <laughs> exactly. These are the things. I mean, why it is these stupid rumours, you know, that some bloke down the pub told me persist? Yeah, when... Yes, it's quite amazing, it, isn't it? It's a little bit like you say... Uh, uh, why don't you do a little bit of research about that? And I say, oh, yeah, okay, I'll look on Facebook. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> oh. that's the best place to look for an expert, isn't it? Yeah. Well, so, um, I watched I watched the the, um, the drama series Breathtaking about the COVID inquiry, which is oh, right. yeah. qu- quite a hard watch. It's, it's, yeah. It's both that's harrowing been... and, you know, anger-making at the same time. But there's a bit where uh, one of the doctors gets a phone call from his mother and she's giving him all this stuff off, you know, oh, but the vaccine's this, that and the other and blah, blah, and Facebook says, and he goes, mother, I am a doctor. Why don't you listen to me? (laughs) I am an actual qualified doctor. (laughs) Listen to what I'm saying to you. Don't listen to the rubbish on Facebook. Just please don't go out until you've got vaccinated. There we go. Uh, but it is sometimes that level, isn't it? It's like why do these things persist? Anyway, indeed, we, we were having a we were having a chat at after church this morning. We usually have a, a cup of tea and a chat, and I was sitting with a group of people who were bemoaning the state of the world, really, and the fact that we seem to think that people who are divisive and uh, just really not very nice people are, are actually good people. They seem to be people that everyone likes, and we we just couldn't quite get our heads around it. 
They are. And right at the minute, yes, I'm afraid that the British politicians are probably top of the list of people. Indeed, indeed, really... yes. I, I'd, I'd like to just say, why can't we just be nice to one another? Yeah. You know. oh, dear oh, me. Dear, oh dear. Um, Sorry, yes. don't get me on. Soapbox. <laughs> Soapbox, no, no politics. No, dear. No, don't, because I'll go off on one for a whole hour ranting <laughs> about how... Oh, yes, and we'll need how, to get um, <laughs> how unsuitable to be in power some of the people we have at the moment appear to be. Indeed, indeed, yes. That, that's enough. We won't say yes, anymore. <laughs> yeah, several of whom seem to be need in need of strong medication. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yes. Uh, and to, just to wrap it up then, I've got uh, 15 cool Apple Watch features you're probably not using from iDrop News. Um list of uh you know things which you may or may not know you know track your sleep the, track, track your level your, of oxygen, oxygen um detect your falls detect falls control your watch with one hand which if you have the new enough watch where you can do the pinch to tap uh, um find your iphone which is one i use all the time when i put my phone down which of course is in the not, control uh, center uh, Tap I was the... in a in a I was in a quiet uh, a quiet space and and thought that was the uh, the uh, the mute button. <laughs> <laughs> Oops! <laughs> and of course it wasn't. <laughs> no, that's a bing 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 binging. <laughs> yeah, the bell is the bell is the mute. The bell is the, bell. the mute item. Yeah, yeah, I'll work that out afterwards. <laughs> afterwards, <laughs> after you set your phone off, going bing 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 bing. Ah, dear. Um, You can use your Apple Watch as a flashlight. I'm not sure how much light it will actually shed, but um, it's better than nothing. Well, I suppose if you're in a very dark place, it might might work okay. Well, it's better than nothing. Let's put it with this. It might stop you stubbing your toe on the corner of the wall or something if you're in an unfamiliar place. Um, There's theatre mode, which is uh, useful. Yes, I have used theatre mode a number of times when I've been somewhere. Oh, I definitely don't want it disturbing me. Yep. Uh, the other thing with th- theatre mode, of course, is it prevents the watch from lighting up if you move your yes. arm um, yeah. as, as well. that's right. Uh, you can change the text size um, and you can use it to unlock other devices. Um, and you can take pictures with your iPhone using your watch and now as it says here you can swipe watch faces again because that was temporarily taken away you can pay you can pay with your watch you can call the emergency services from your watch people are still surprised when you use your watch to pay i I was really quite surprised i thought there were enough people about with i with watches yeah for people not to be surprised but people are still surprised when i do it yeah yeah same here yeah. As, I, as I said before, that you know, the, there's a pub I go into, and the woman said to me, "You're the guy who pays with his watch, aren't you?" It's like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're famous, famous in your own pub. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, and um, ten iPhone Pro tips which actually help from uh, BGR, um, which is hold down the shutter button to. Uh, change from camera to video. Um, oh, no, I didn't know that one. That's did you not know that one? one? I didn't uh, know yeah. that. No. If you, if you, rather than switching to video, if you're in a hurry, you open the camera, just hold the shutter down, and it will con- it will video record until you let go. 
Ah, right. Without having to switch the video, which is good for catching a short clip of something. Something quick, yeah, yeah. Um, And also, obviously handy if it's, particularly if it's, I don't know, a small child doing something cute and adorable. Um, And, you know, that might be over by the time you fumbled your way to actually got it in video mode. Um, This one's more of a novelty, but I do do use this one. Siri is a wizard. if you ask, uh, if you say Siri Lumos, your uh, your flashlight will turn on, and if you say Siri Knox, it will turn it off. Those, of course, Siri? being Lumos. Oh, so it does. Yeah. Siri Knox. Oh, there you go. That's something <laughs> else I've learned. <laughs> Those are from Harry Potter. Those are just as a little gag put in there. <laughs> Lumos is the spell Harry uses to create a light on the end of his wand and. Nox, I believe, is the spell to dispel other magics. Um, Ah, right. uh, How to hard (laughs) reset your iPhone. Uh, Use the one-handed keyboard. Um, If you're, you know, a one-handed thumb typer, you can uh, adjust the the keyboard and it will make it fill up only two-thirds of the uh, bottom, you know. Yeah, I've never quite seen the point of that whenever whenever i'm typing i'm holding with one hand and typing with the other so well i'm usually holding and typing with two thumbs but um really oh no I, I've, I've never done that not no. really no, but there I you go use one if you if you wish to make the keyboard you know it's for these people who like to hold their phone and type with the same thumb i think probably yes won't. i can see why they did it it's just that i've never quite for me personally i've just never used it so. no but it's a bit like the thing on the ipad where you can split the keyboard which i find yes. much more useful which allows you yeah. to thumb type um yeah 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 there we are um you can uh shake to undo which comes from the very first iphone and it's still there if you want to undo yeah. something the equivalent of apple z um the one two three button shortcut um i've known this for a long time and it but it is useful if you hold down the one two three button the uh if you don't just tap it to bring up the alternative you know numbers and symbols keyboard if you hold it down um you can either then slide your thumb to the single uh symbol or number that you want or if you hold it down you can then type with your other thumb finger whatever um until you let go and then it will go away and return to the alpha key alpha yeah. keyboard okay um I do use that quite a lot. If you hold your thumb on the one, two, three, you can then, particularly for, I don't know, exclamation marks or whatever it is, you can hold it down and swipe to that and let go. And it will um, uh, make use of focus mode, uh, background sounds. Uh, There are some basic uh, white noise type uh, sounds in the control center or can be placed in the, control center because it's on the ear icon um and how to make stickers easily there you go should you wish to do those things always handy to have be refreshed with a few of those tips and there we are it is especially especially when some of them you didn't even know in the first place there's always you know well i I do like those even though i tend to go know that know that know that you never know there's always something in there you would think oh i forgot that or Oh, I didn't know that. And then there's those things that you, you've forgotten, but you never use anyway. So 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> but no, there are definitely one or two that uh, that we've done, you know, when you've come up with some of these each week that I think, oh, oh, that's good. I didn't know that. <laughs> so there we are. And that is all of it for this week, Nick. So we're done. We're and, done. Um, we're done. So I guess... Um, the usual stuff, find us in the Slack room, you know how. Go to the link in the show notes and join the Slack where you'll find me and Nick and John Nemo and various other people. Um, and uh, I guess you can still find me on the X Twitter as at Serenak, S-E-R-E-N-A-K. And uh, other than reminding you that... Uh, the Reverend Canon Andrew Dotchin is collecting old but working smartphones and internet-capable tablets for the Mission to Seafarers. Uh, contact details in the show notes if you have something you'd like to donate in the UK. And if you're not in the UK, contact either your Mission to Seafarers centre or maybe make a donation directly from their website, all of which is in the show notes. So there we go. And I think that's uh, that'll do, Nick. Indeed. Indeed. So until next time, Nick and I will say goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club podcast, the geekiest show ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen. Ozone is never late, Frederick Beggins, or is he early? He arrives precisely when he means to, and usually listening to the Tech Fan Podcast with Tim Robertson and David Cohen. again another time. Until then, goodbye.